in verse 1. If you're just joining us, we are in week th- uh, 4 of a series that we've entitled Family Matters. Okay? Uh, this series is extremely loosely based on the popular TV show okay? uh, with the Winslow family. So, um, and by that, as we took some titles and then applied them to our sermons, but, but really that's about it. Okay? Um, what's coming up today is a talk about mentorship. Okay? Uh, what often gets referred to as discipleship, we're talking about today called mentorship, and we're using uh, the episode 18 from season 7 called My Big Brother. Okay? And, and I'll, I'll just read the synopsis to you off the website because I think it's funny. It says this, In this episode, paying tribute to the Big Brothers Big Sisters of America program, Urkel, you guys remember him, uh, is paired with a streetwise youth, youth named 3J, whose smart mouth is the cover for an embarrassing secret. He can't read. Urkel vows to help 3J learn how to read and discover the worlds that are opened up through books. And so he does that, right? Urkel goes and invests in this guy, and all of a sudden he can read, and all of these things begin to line up for him that were not there previously. And so what we're talking about today is this similar idea, right? That we are to come around one another and invest in one another. That men should be investing in other men. That women should be investing in other women. And there can be some crossover in that too, but there should be investment in the people of God that we would be discipled unto Jesus, I've been extremely excited about the response that we've seen over the first couple topics that we've gone through in this series. So we did prayer a couple weeks ago. I mean, I love, I love it, guys, that, man, after service or during service, when people come over here, they're praying. I'm seeing people people pray for each other in service. It's fantastic. Please keep that up. Last week, evangelism, hearing great stories already of people just going out of their comfort zones to talk to other people about the gospel. This week, I don't want to rank them, Okay? But this week might be the most important. Because I think in this, it moves us to the other things. I think in this thing that God has set up, this investment in one another, it moves us into the other things that we would live in light of the gospel in the best possible way that we can. So I began to think about this through the week and what are some issues, what are things we need to talk about. And I said before that oftentimes you hear this term and it gets called discipleship. Okay? And and I have no problem using that term, but we we just put a different emphasis here and and I'll explain why. Discipleship to us is anything and everything that God will use to move you from here to here. Right? From, okay, you're this close to Jesus and you look this much like him. And then you do something and then now you're here. You look a little more like Jesus. You love him a little more. You live like him a little more. Okay? That to us is, so it's this overarching idea that everything that God uses to move you closer to him is discipleship. It's not just the one-on-one meeting that it often gets entitled to. And so we choose the term mentorship. Because mentorship is a part of discipleship. God will use a mentor in your life to move you closer to Jesus. The same way he'll use a redemption community or a small group to move you closer to Jesus. The same way hopefully he uses this Sunday service to move you closer to Jesus. The same way that he will use Redemption Men's event or the Dream Team or whatever it is, some outward-focused mission to move you closer to Jesus. Everything underneath the lens and the umbrella of discipleship today is just a part of that. And so we use the word mentorship to say, find a mentor, find that person who's going to say, okay, I'm in. I'll pour my life into you, be responsible, listen, and we're going to learn together and grow closer to Jesus. Okay. So I began to think about uh, just my experience with this then. And early on, a lot of you know, I got saved as a freshman at San Diego State University. Okay, and, and immediately, probably, but well, not immediately, about six months after I got saved, two guys came alongside me. 
Okay? And, and at that point, I didn't know really anything. I got saved. I did some study about Jesus. It made sense. The resurrection made sense. So I gave my life to Christ. Okay? But all the logistics of what it meant to live out this faith, I just didn't know that much. And so for six months, I remember I was a freshman right, at school, and, and, and there was a trolley that would come in front of San Diego State, and you could take the trolley down to Tijuana, and they would drop you off, you would go across, you would do your thing in Tijuana because you could drink at 18, you could come back on the trial. It was like a sin mobile, right? I mean, it was just like, yeah, hey, go sin, right? And, and, this, and so I was doing this, I was doing some other things. I mean, it was just, I didn't know that even I'm not supposed to do that. That wasn't the culture I grew up in, and so it was pretty foreign to me. I had a couple men come alongside me. The first one is, is Howard Everett, who, uh, if you guys remember him, he came and spoke here probably about uh, four or five, six months ago. Big dude, right? Big ex-rugby player, will crush your skull. I mean, just an intense, intense guy. Screams a lot. It's crazy, okay? So I go to him and say, Howard, will you, will you mentor me? I, actually, I said, will you disciple me? That's what, the term I used back then. Will you disciple me? He says, sure, but know that this is going to be serious. Like, I don't just do this. So if you're in, you're in, okay? So I said, of course, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, no doubt. He says, all right, we'll meet me Friday night. 7 p.m., we're going to get together. And so in my mind, from what I had heard from other people, what this meant was him and I were going to sit down and do coffee. We're going to read a book together, and he's going to tell me about my sin, how to stop sinning. Okay, that, that was my entire view of what this was going to look like. I get there at 7. He says, get in the car. We get in the car. We drive to downtown San Diego, 5th Ave. If you've ever been down there, that's like it's popping on 5th Ave. People everywhere. Cool place. And so he pulls up, and he begins going up to different people. He's like, hey, what do you think about Jesus? And I'm standing there. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> right? Like, this is weird. He says, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? He's just calling people out, you know, and I'm standing there like an idiot. And, and he's having these little conversations. I'm just watching, no big deal. Then here it comes. He goes, he gets in front of everybody, right? We're on the corner of like 5th and G. I mean, this is just the spot. People everywhere. He stands on the corner and he says, excuse me! Excuse me! Excuse me! Three times, it's so loud. Everyone's like, all right, big guy, what's up? He says, my buddy Vince has got something to tell you. <laughs> Imagine my face. I'm like, he does, does he? Vince has got something to say, does he? And so, somehow comes out of me. Somehow comes out of me. Hey, we're out here telling people about Jesus and the crowd scatters, right? They're like, all right, okay. And people start to leave, but guess what? A few people hung around. About four or five people hung around. So all of a sudden, Howard and I, and this is the first time I'd really done this, are telling people about Jesus in the corner of 5th and G in downtown San Diego, and three of them get saved. And I tell you what, man, we could have sat down and done coffee. And he could have said, hey, you, you should go share your faith and you should tell people about the gospel and you should... But man, he dragged me out there and he put me out of my comfort zone and said, this is what the Christian life looks like. And so to that day, man, that thing was formative. It was changing. And, and there were times, listen, there were plenty of times where we sat down and we did coffee. And we just talked theology. We talked practical application. We did all that. But that was very forming. The other guy was this guy, Justin Anderson, lead pastor of Redemption in San Francisco. He also spoke here back in December, if you remember him. He could not have been more different from Howard Everett. In every possible way, really, really skinny, right? And a total just thinker. 
type A, strategy type guy, loves to just plan and think through. I mean, the guy is a brilliant, brilliant man. Loves to read, loves to study the whole deal. And so him and I, I mean, we would get down and we would just dig into the Word. I mean, just tear that thing up, just getting into languages and the whole deal and learning things that I just never knew the Scripture could ever say. And he invested and invested. And guess what? Both of these guys are still heavily invested in my life. To this day, 12 years later, still probably two of the guys that at any moment I will call and will ask, hey, what's going on? What can I do with this? What do you have to teach me? 12 years later, they have formed me probably more than any two men in this world. Holy Spirit using them. So hear me. It's not their power. It's the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want to say. The reason why I highlight both, Justin and Howard, completely different. There is no perfect mentor for you. There's no right one, right? Here's the thing. At the end of this, we're going to get real practical. We're bringing like a bunch of people on stage. We're going to say, find your mentor. You will not find someone who's perfect for you. You're not going to find someone who's just going to align with you in everything relationally. You're going to click. You're going to find people who can teach you about Jesus and what it means to walk out his principles. And that's what we need. That's what the biblical model of, of discipleship, the biblical model of mentorship is. And so that's what we're going to do today. Second Timothy 2, starting in verse 1, says this. You then, my child, this is Paul talking to Timothy, says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There is a lot of scripture that highlights these type of relationships, this one-on-one, one-on-two stuff. We could go a lot of different places, but to me, this is just your money verse. Okay? This is the one. Second Timothy. Paul telling Timothy, listen, here's what I want you to do. You know all the stuff I told you? You know everything you've learned? You know how I've mentored and, and, and discipled and invested? I want you to go tell other people. I want you to go do the same thing that you and I have done. I want you to do with other, with other people. Okay? Seems pretty simple. He gives a few clarifications, a few qualifiers to this, to this mandate. Okay, the first one is, uh, what you have learned has been done in the presence of many witnesses. And here's what I'm saying. What Paul has taught Timothy has proven to be true. Okay? So, so there is a content piece of this. So what Paul is saying, listen, what I want you to go share is stuff that other people have gotten around and say, yeah, this is good, this is profitable. This is gospel-centered. This is the Bible. This is aligned with Scripture. And I bring this up because I think Paul, the same way we struggle with it now, is, is, is in a world that's filled with a whole bunch of competing ideologies. And is filled with people whose ears are tickled and just want to share news and not necessarily the good news. Right? We just want to be able to share stuff. And so what Paul says, there is a certain message, there is a certain qualifier to this about what is shared and is things that have been proven true by Scripture, proven true by the counsel of many witnesses. People have come around and said, yeah, that's good. That's profitable. So that's what we invest into other people. See, it's far too often. How many times, you guys are on Facebook, right? A lot of you guys, how many times do you see someone post a link and you're like, man, that is a crazy story. And you look down and it's from the onion, Right? And people are like, and then, but they think it's a true story. I read some headlines of just ones that, that I'd seen recently. There was this one, ghost ship filled with a bowl of laden rats headed for Florida. Okay, saw someone post that. This is crazy. It's also not true, right? <laughs> or, uh, what was this one? Uh, mysterious remains of a blue whale found in a field in Utah. Someone saw someone post that. This is crazy. Not true, okay? We, we just kind of, we, we pass on information in our culture like, it's nothing. We don't even think about it. There's a clarifier to the message that gets shared here. It's biblical. 
and then it's proven amongst reliable set of witnesses. Okay? What I also love this, again, just to emphasize this part, that mentorship, it's a council of witnesses. Okay? So in other words, people saw the way that Paul was living his life. Timothy saw the way that Paul interacted with other people as he lived his life. And so again, as we enter into, we think about these mentor relationships, it's not just sitting down doing coffee, it's not just going downtown and doing evangelism. It's, hey, just come alongside me as I live life and see the way that I do life in light of the gospel. And so listen, every one of you, you have to run errands at some point, okay? Don't run errands by yourself. They're boring. Might as well bring along a friend. Because in that, okay, in that, they get to see the way you run errands, which sounds silly, but all of life is all for you. They get to see the way you interact with the cashier. You take them to a lunch, you get to see the way that you care for the waitress. Right, you're walking down the street, they get to see the way that you handle the guy in the street corner who's screaming that everyone's going to hell. They live life on life, and all of a sudden, things are more caught than they're taught. You guys ever hear that? Things are more caught than taught. You don't have to always hear everything, you just see it, and you're like, okay, that's good, I'll emulate that. Does that make sense? Things are more caught than, than taught. I remember uh, my brother growing up, right? Super, or uh, not super, just uh, regular Nintendo NES. You guys remember that system? Probably none of you college students, but, you know, my age people, okay? 30 plus, you guys remember that? Okay, so if, I, if, if, if a game wasn't working, okay, what would you do? You're blowing that sucker, right? You're like, hey, you know, put it back in, double click a couple times, hit the reset button ever so slightly, and then bam, all of a sudden it's working. Sometimes it didn't, right? The, duck, the duck's coming across, but his head's falling off or something. You're like, okay, we're not quite there. So what do you do next? You lick it. You lick that sucker. You're like, let's get the sucker wet. You put it back in. Listen, I did not have to be told that. I watched my brother do that. I watched other people. I said, that is good and profitable. <laughs> That's how I want to get this game working. Things are more caught than taught. So live life with one another. Mentors. And we're going to bring up some people. And call them. Just, just invade their life. Hey, you doing yoga? I'm doing yoga too. Let's go. Right? Just show up at things they're doing, okay? You see them at Sprouts, you want to shop together? Offer to, I mean, just live life with one another and you will begin to see the investment that comes from these mental relationships, amen? Okay, so uh, <laughs> where else are we at? So that's number one. Uh, number two, who you give it to, make sure they're faithful themselves. So mentors, who we invest in. Or if you're a mentee, if you're being invested, be faithful, okay? Be faithful, it's the same thing. When I, when I went to Howard, he said, listen, this is serious to me. I, I'm going to take some of my time and intentionally focus it on your spiritual development. So mentees, take this stuff seriously. Be faithful. Show up on time. Do what they tell you to do. Don't say no. Engage. If you are going to say, I trust you, I want to follow you, I want to learn from you, then trust, follow, and learn from them. Be faithful. Mentors, as you seek people that you're going to care for, call them to faithfulness. Because that's what the Bible calls us to. You're not asking of them anything more than Jesus asks of the same people that he calls. Okay. Faithfulness, dedication. Okay. Number three, not only entrust this to faithful men but, and women, but entrust this to faithful men and women who will also go and teach this to others. Okay. So, so it's not just, okay, invest in anybody. It's invest in faithful men and women. But invest in faithful men and women that will then take what you've taught and go and tell somebody else. And go and invest and mentor and disciple somebody else. So the chain continues. Because if it doesn't, the church dies. If all of a sudden we stopped investing in other people, the church goes away, guys. And this has a crazy impact we probably could not fathom across our world. 
people we disciple and we invest in people who will disciple and invest in other people. Okay? That's what we do. And so we create these spiritual chains of discipleship. So my, my mentor, Justin Anderson, okay, right? Above him was Tom Schrader, who was the former lead pastor of Redemption Gilbert, now kind of a mentor for our whole church, right? Tom Schrader invests in Justin Anderson. Justin Anderson invests in me. And then I invest in, I don't know, a couple of people here or whatever. There's this chain. And so what, what Anthony gets is not, is not just me. He gets me, he gets Justin, he gets Tom, he gets Tom's discipler. He gets Paul. All the way back, maybe. That's the way we invest. We invest in these chains of discipleship that we invest in people who are reliable and faithful that will go and tell other people. That's what we're talking about. And that's what's going to change the face of the kingdom of God. Okay? So here's what we're going to do. In these last verses, the last thing we're going to look at. He's going to talk about these, he's going to give us three illustrations, okay, about uh, what a disciple looks like. So that when we, as mentors or as mentees, we know the vision. We know what we're being called to. And so here it is, verse 3. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Okay, so here's the first piece. Share in the suffering of Christ Jesus. What was the suffering of Christ Jesus? It was death. Okay. So come and die is his first kind of clarification. Okay, disciples, we, we, we come and we, and we die. This is an intense moment. Because even as Jesus calls in Luke 22 through 24, let's look at Luke 9, sorry, 22 through 24, let's read it here. It says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day to be raised. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, Anyone wants to be my disciple, wants to be my follower, okay? Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Okay, so come and die is his call. You want to be my disciple. You want to follow me. Death is the answer. Okay, now, let me clarify, because I don't want you guys running out, running in front of buses or anything, okay? So, this this is a laying down, okay? This is a laying, intentional laying down of your desire, okay? An intentional laying down of your purpose, an intentional desire of your finances, of your things. It's, it's saying, okay, they're at the foot of the cross, they're in light of Jesus, I've taken my cross, I've laid it all down there. Now here's the idea, those things don't go away. You don't all of a sudden lose your desires, you don't lose your purpose. Here's what happens. You now see your desires, you now see your purpose through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of the cross, which is the right way we were supposed to see them in the beginning. So you don't, you don't, it's, it's, it's not laying this stuff down for the sake of, well, I'm just not me. No, it's entirely you and fully you because it's through the cross of Jesus Christ. And so that's what daily lay you down that you might pick up his cross, see everything through that, and live your life the way you're supposed to have lived it. Same with me. That's the thing. So come and die. Here's the thing. We often think of, and, and when we say, okay, well, I want to be his disciple, so I'm going to put my faith in him, I'm going to believe in him, I'm going to be saved... And we're thinking, okay, well, death is kind of the byproduct. Okay, so, so, so I give my life to him, and then death is kind of just the byproduct. This sacrificial kind of life is a byproduct of faith. But I'm going to tell you this. It is not a byproduct. It is the call itself. You want to follow me? Take up your cross daily. Share in my suffering. Come and die. It is a tough calling. And all the things he's going to lay out are tough Callings, and we're going to see why then mentorship is so important. So this, this is big. 
Okay, next one, verse 5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. In other words, athletes don't win if they cheat, okay? Unless they're Tom Brady, okay? Then apparently, gotcha. Huh? Come on. Cheater. Um, Athletes don't win if they cheat, on the whole. Think about it. They just had, okay, so they just had the Hall of Fame induction for baseball. I don't know how many baseball fans are still all in this word, but uh, Hall of Fame, baseball. And who were the names that didn't get in? Okay? But Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmeiro, on and on, Roger Clemens, Pete Rose, still because of the game. Why? Because they cheated. And so now they don't get this ultimate prize in baseball to be put into the Hall of Fame. It's just not going to happen because they cheated. Very practically, okay? You want the prize? You want this? You want what's to be attained? Then follow the rules, right? That's, that's what it's saying, which is kind of harsh. But I think what ultimately at a heart level, it, healthy disciples, hear me, healthy disciples, healthy followers of Jesus seek holiness. Healthy disciples seek holiness. Healthy disciples say, sin is the worst thing ever. And I hate that it's part of my life, and so I'm going to try and cast it away. Bringing in someone who's going to have the capacity, the investment, and the engagement with you to help move you from sin. That's what a mentor does. To help you be a healthy disciple that seeks holiness. It's a big part of it. Okay? Verse 6. Last illustration. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Now, this one is, is maybe the most confusing because you're like, reward, what reward are we talking about? If I want to, you know, athlete, I want to attain the prize, what, are we, what reward are we talking about? Listen, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different places where we get, we get into crowns and some different things, but I think the best illustration this comes from Matthew 25 and the parable of the talents. And I'm not going to read it, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it. Here's the deal. A master, okay, this is a parable, right? Master sends out three of his servants. He, he gives each, to each, a different amount of talents, which is just a form of currency. Five talents to one, two talents to another, and one talent to another. The one with five goes, invests the five, gets five more, has ten. Okay? The one with two goes, invests the two, comes back with four. The guy with the one, terrified of the master, invests it nowhere, comes back to the master, says, I knew you were a shrewd master, I was nervous, I was scared, and so I just held on to the one and did nothing with it. Here's your one back. This guy gets cast into outer darkness, the Bible says. Okay? He's, get him away from me not fit for the kingdom of God. Then he has the other guys. He has uh, the two who comes four and the five who becomes ten, and this is his response to them. And I think it sums up this hardworking farmer getting the share of the first crop. It says this, Matthew twenty-five, twenty-three. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Ready? Enter into the joy of your master. Okay, so you've, you've taken what I've given you the gifting, and you've poured it out, right? You've invested it. And so, and bring it into our context, right? We've been gifted with things. We've been gifted with knowledge. Some of us have been Christians longer than others. Some of us are older than one another. Some of us have been in occupations longer than others. We have things to share and give away, and oftentimes we just keep it to ourselves. The Bible says you better give that sucker away. You better start investing in other people. Then you will hear the reward will be as you stand before him, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into, enter into the joy that is, comes from the presence of the Master. What a gift, what a reward. Okay, so this, this is the call to discipleship for us. Okay? This type of life, moving this direction. Now, here's the thing. I hear those three things, and man, I just, I, I feel even, I feel squirmish even saying those things from the pulpit right now because it comes across as, okay, if you don't obey the rules, okay, and if you don't invest, in other words, if you sin and if you do keep it to yourself, that all of a sudden God doesn't love you anymore. Okay? That's the way this can come across. Timothy, go and do these things. And so I'm telling you, go and do these things. This needs to be part and characterize the life of a disciple, a mentor, mentee, whatever. But here's the deal. Here's what I love. Paul, and his genius, sharing with Timothy, in verses 7 and 8, changes everything, puts a lens with which we view everything we've just talked about. So let's read that. Verse 7 says this, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Ready? 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Remember Jesus. So all of these commands, okay, be holy. Invest in other people. All of this. Share in suffering. Do it whilst remembering Jesus Christ. Do it while remembering the gospel. So don't let those things become ultimate. Let the gospel become ultimate. Remember him and then see those things now through the lens of what Christ has done. And so let's hear this. Christ, he suffered the soldier's death, right? Sharing the suffering. Christ perfectly suffers the soldier's death, dying for our sins so that we don't have to. Christ is the perfect athlete. He never broke the rules. He never sinned. He never cheated. He did everything exactly as he should do it. He is the perfect athlete. Jesus, he worked as the hard-working farmer should. Okay? Securing for himself a reward, which was the redemption and restoration of his creation, which was lost. Jesus is the perfect farmer. He's the perfect athlete. And he's the perfect soldier. Because we're not. And so we needed him to be. So now when we see these commands of God to go and do this, we can now rest in the gospel. Because it's not us to be judged, it was Christ to be judged. So as we place our faith and trust and hope in him, we are secure. We need not toil, we need not fret, because Christ has done it already for us. Because he knew we couldn't. Praise Jesus, that he stood in the gap for us. Now, because that's true, because Jesus already secured that and faith in him saves that for us, man, we, we go, right? We do share in his suffering. We do consider his mission above our own mission. We see everything through the lens of the gospel. We do try and obey the rules. We do try and live holy, righteous lives in light of God and the world. And we, we certainly work hard at it. And we try and attain the prize that is to come that is well good, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my presence. That's what the gospel does. And listen, all of this stuff is exponentially easier when you have a man or you have a woman that's saying, hey, what about this? Let me point you to this. Let me guide you towards this. You want to live this type of life that the gospel calls the Christian to? You better get some men and get some women in your life to say, I'm going to point you to this. I'm going to live this way. Follow me. 
We just got to do it. And so uh, I'm going to invite up Nate Zyman now. Where's he at? There's Nate. Nate's coming back up. And uh, here's the deal with Nate. Nate obviously leads worship for us, but he's also kind of been running our mentorship program, for lack of a better term here, uh, being in contact with different mentors um, and, and getting this kind of prepped for today, which is we've entitled Find a Mentor Sunday. Um, and we'll probably do this, you know, a few times a year to try and get you guys engaged because this life is hard. The gospel is good and sets us free, not so that we have to, but that we get to. We get to live this life now. So let's bring some people into our lives that help us do that. So I just want to ask Nate a few questions on, on how we're doing this and what this is going to look like. So Nate, uh, first one, I guess, what's your vision? When we first even started talking about this, what was your vision for it? What's your vision now? And what do you hope? So um, we started off, I, I researched a lot. I had some of the interns tell me about this. We were trying to figure out what, what do people do to encourage this really important thing. Um, um, and then I also just looking around at our congregation, we have a lot of successful mentorship relationships. It's great. You guys are already doing this in a large extent, to a large extent. And, uh, and the, what I saw from that is that the, the relationships that happen kind of naturally, in particular the ones in which, which a mentee, which is a word I think I made up, I don't know, <laughs> um, a mentee approached someone and asked to be mentored, I saw that those relationships were highly successful generally. Um, so that when that, that impetus was made to, to, to go and learn something from someone else, that, that usually works. So we tried to set something up with that in mind, and it ended up being very, very simple. <laughs> so essentially what we're going to do today, our, our first ever Find a Mentor Sunday, is I've been emailing some people that, that we know at the church, that we trust, and we're going to just pick them up here on stage. Somewhere, yeah, we'll find a place. And all of you with eyeballs, You'll be able to just look <laughs> and see who is who is who's available, who feels like they are desiring to teach someone um, how to follow Jesus. And then also we'll have them share just a second or so about who they are. The last thing I would say is that who who is maybe in a similar field uh, that I'm in, uh, or or strong in some areas that I particularly want to grow. So we're going to try this out. Um, and then the second piece of it. Then is is uh I probably you probably got emails and Facebook posts and things from me last fall. I was just trying to figure out who in the room is being mentored already, and that's like the hardest thing I've ever tried to do with this church. Um, so this is also going to help us just just put this on a platform. And I want to just say here too, if you are mentoring someone or you're being mentored by someone, even outside of this congregation, uh, if you please let me know. Um, you can get my email address, you can come talk to me, get my phone number. Info card. Info card, just write yeah. it down somewhere. Um, the reason is we want to support these relationships. We want them to be strong and healthy. We want to help you uh, as you are uh, mentoring each other, as you are teaching one another. We want it to be as fruitful as it could be. If a relationship is not working for some reason, come let us know. We'd love to talk to you about that and see if there's anything we can do to help. If you need resources, or you want to learn something else that your mentor is not particularly good at, come let us know because uh, we can help you guys with that. So that's kind of the idea, is that we would resource you, the people, to mentor each other. That is the dream. Um, and I'm really excited about us taking this big step into that dream today. So. Perfect. That's great. Okay. Uh, you want to invite him up, I guess? So yeah, if, if so we... if That's you. <laughs> Yay, um, mentors! Yay! What do I say? 
Oh yeah, keep clapping. Yeah, yeah. So keep clapping so it's not awkward. Gets weird for everybody. Yay! Stop. Shh. Come on. Now this is, we're not limiting, limiting it to these people, to be clear. Um, we believe that you guys have learned things from Jesus that you can teach people. So, so, uh, so do that. Um, but these are people that we expressly invited on up who, who said that they are available and they would like to teach people things. So what I'm going to do now, we got an extra long tour today. Um, for this I'm going to just uh, start over there with the mandolin. <laughs> and uh, if you could, please, uh, potential mentors, please just share your name. Just give a summary of what you're doing at Flexap. If it's your job, if it's your, your field of study, whatever that might be. And then uh, that's pretty much it. And you can just pass the microphone over. Vince, make witty remarks as we go. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Piece of cake. That's what I do. It's really what I do here. So. <laughs> uh, my name's Ian. I, I uh, volunteer here at the church. I work at a school as a PE teacher. I do a variety of things at that, at that school, though, uh, not just PE teaching. Um, so I have a lot of uh, education-related mentor abilities. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I, I was an education major in, in college, too. And I'm also supposed to say my wife, Jessica, is supposed to be here, um, but she was in Phoenix this weekend. So she works at North Country Healthcare as a health benefits advocate. So basically she helps people uh, get on access or get just healthcare in general. Uh, and so she's also available to mentor. Uh, my name is Michael. Um, I'm a physical therapist here in town uh, with a Carter Rehabilitation. Um, I really enjoy digging into theology, digging into scripture, um, studying that uh, pretty as, as deep as I can. I also get my hands dirty with uh, service and mercy ministry and things like that, which is why I became a physical therapist. Uh, my wife also should be up here. I think she's feeding our child right now. Um, but Leah, we've been married for over 10 years, so young couples, uh, young marrieds would be great as well. Um, and she's a freelance writer and our daughter's almost six months. Awesome. My name is Chris. I'm a graduate student here at NIU. I'm coming back for computer science engineering, undergraduate with engineering. Um, I had experience in the Air Force for eight years, so anybody who's potentially going ROTC and has questions or uh, interest in the military and need to know what does that life look like, I'm happy to chat with you about that. And then uh, my wife and I have been married six and a half years, and we're starting the adoption process. So. We're learning a lot as this process goes on. Oh, yeah, this is McCracken here, the one that you guys gave money to, so. And, yeah, we're, we're excited. <laughs> Good job. I would love to come back up and share a lot more with you about that once we get that, that call for the match. But uh, thank you once again for all of your, your kindness in making that a possibility for us. It really was fantastic. We cannot, we cannot explain how awesome it was, the support that we've had here from Redemption. So, again, if any of these <laughs> things uh, resonate with you, happy to talk with you.
Yeah, it's Dirty Chauncey. Preach, girl. Get it. Kathy's preaching next week, uh, <laughs> so no big deal. So my name is Justin, um, and I'm a physical therapist at the uh, at Flagstaff Medical Center, and uh, I'm a father and husband, and so my wife Anna, and... <laughs> <laughs>
Fantastic. That's great. I want to emphasize right as we, as we kind of wrap up here, and I, I know you know we might be keeping a little bit long today. We just think it's that important. Again, these, these are some options, right? I mean, these people have all we, we said, hey, would you be willing to mentor and invest? And they all said yes. Um, and so find one of them, or listen, if you know someone else in your life that just wasn't up here, uh, go and call them out. Or if you are, if you feel like, hey, I want to pour into someone, then 
come and talk to us and we'll, we'll find someone for you. Or just go, I don't know, pick someone out today that looks helpless or something like that. And, uh, and let's, let's just start to this because, listen, the call is, is serious and so we need to try and do this together. You have any thoughts? One more thing. So we didn't want, this is what, so practically, here's what I want you to do, okay? You, you're feeling the tug. Yes, I, I want this kind of teaching investment in my life. Here's your next step. Go talk to one of the people you saw here today and ask if you can take them out for a cup of coffee or something similar, okay? So you take them out for a cup of coffee. Prepare some questions that you can ask them. Maybe even bring a pencil and paper that you can take some notes and, and honor them in that way. And, uh, and then see if the relationship would be a good fit. We don't, we imagine, I imagine that some people will meet up with someone up here and, and it's just you know, not going to really work out. Don't worry about that. Just keep trying. Um, the last thing then is we don't want there to be any barriers for you. So given that, I'm making you do that, ask them for coffee. We have at the church bought a number of $5 gift cards. What? That's right. So if finances would at all be an issue for you to take someone out for a cup of coffee, looking at you hungry college students, um, stop by the Connect Desk and you can pick up a gift card because that is how much we care. We'll pay for your coffee, okay? One time. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Here we go. Who's getting it? No, come on. You gotta, you gotta get a mentor first. Nice try. He's only come with mentors. Um, so, <laughs> so here's what we're gonna do. It's kind of been a weird ending to it, but I want to pray for us, remind us to the gospel, and we're gonna continue in our time of response. Would you guys bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your grace, God. We thank you for what we learned today, God, that you care deeply about us looking like Jesus. God, that you care deeply about us responding to your call of discipleship. God, that you care deeply about us then working in community to do it well. We thank you right now for Jesus Christ who lived that perfect life, who was completely obedient, who was indeed the perfect soldier, the perfect athlete, because he did everything for us, the perfect farmer. God, we ask that we would constantly dwell on that in the gospel, that that would give us reassurance and hope. God, not shame, not guilt, not fear, but God, a spirit of power and of love. God, give us boldness to go and find those that would invest in our lives to make us look more like your son. God, we thank you. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.